This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the nightcap. We're home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Greetings and salutations to all of you Vegas-born faithful. Welcome to another edition of the Nightcap. We don't have hockey this week, or at least in this past week, but we are going to talk about it because there's news concerning your Vegas Golden Knights and their opponents in this Western division. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. And joining me, as he always does these days, is Paul Ihander. Oh my God, I can't even get your name right right now. How are you, Paulito? I'm fine. The Ihander. I'm fine. You're fine? I'm fine. Why are you just fine? Why are you not good? I'm, I'm, I, there's a little part of me missing the fact that we haven't had hockey in about a week. That I'm There's a, a small little void in my right? chest right now. Yes. Well, because a week ago, we were having hockey. Yep. We uh, we talked to Winnie Broke Brown, who still finds herself in Lake Placid uh, with the Minnesota Whitecaps and the, and the Vegas Gold Knights were going to play St. Louis, and they did. Um, without their coaching staff due to COVID protocols, which uh, the players themselves found out just uh, as they're arriving to the rink. But we all know that things have transpired and we want, want to catch you guys up on all of that because we got some new developments with your Vegas Golden Knights. And it's not a two week thing right now. We're not going in, in a in a an elongated pause right now, unlike the New Jersey Devils, which was announced that they're going to miss all their games uh, this week due to their COVID protocols. But apparently, according to Kelly McCrimmon, who met with the media earlier today, today being Monday, the 1st of February, uh, Vegas is set to resume practice on Wednesday. That's right, two days from now, and are expecting to play this Friday against the Kings here at T-Mobile Arena. Paul, are you kind of surprised how quickly this has turned around? Well, it just depends on testing, really. And, you this know, we, it shows you that we just don't control the time and we don't control the calendar. And the, we do not the, control the virus. Well, the, stra- the, straight, the strange part about it is, is that, you know, for this team, they will have not had the taste of victory in nearly two weeks. Mm-hmm. And let alone have played an actual counting game for 10 days. I'm just wondering what kind of rust they're going to have to shake off, knowing that they haven't been able to practice or get on any sort of you know patch of ice unless it was at home in a backyard rink that was makeshift, mm-hmm. that it will be slightly under full speed. And knowing that it was Alex Petrangelo, yep. who has been consistently listed on the NHL unfit to play list due to COVID, mm-hmm. and that the other news that got kind of swept under everything uh, aside from that loss in that shootout against St. Louis was Braden McNabb's absence. Yes, long-term IR designation for him. So we've got two guys, you know, Our on, top pair D. on defense who mm-hmm. are dealing with injuries, you know, and illness at the same time. Exactly. And and as you said, Paul, that we're dealing with a, with a team that has been idle. And I guess in a way, we're kind of fortunate playing the Kings this, uh, this Friday, or at least expected to, because they're not playing a ton this week. They played on the 28th in Minnesota. They have one game tomorrow 
tomorrow night against the Ducks, and then they'll be here on Friday. So if anything, at least they're not playing like multiple games, so they're you know fresh and ready to go. But they're practicing. Their facilities aren't closed down, and you know Petrangelo is not going to be back for that matchup this weekend. Neither is Brady McNabb. But there, it was also released that there are three coaches that are in COVID protocol, and a player on the taxi squad. We do not know the names of the taxi squad player or the coaches because we are not privy to that information. They are releasing the information of the players that are on the active roster. And so we're all still kind of taking this a, a day at a time because anything could change at, at any point. But uh, Kelly uh, McCrimmon was, was very upfront and honest and saying, like, everybody's good, everybody's healthy, but we're just, you know, going through the necessary protocols to make sure that they're good, that they're that they're recovering uh, as best as they can and that they're not, you know, spreading this more. And, you know, the league is dealing with a lot of different COVID problems, and so they're going to have to learn how to how to roll with the punches and the as as we just highlighted, our top two defensemen, or at least our top pair defensemen, are going to be out for at least the next few weeks. That's so, a lot of minutes to eat up, Lindsay. especially uh, number seven minutes, who who not only plays a, a a pretty heavy regular shift, but is out there for power play. That is out there for penalty kill, and this is kind of where you're happy that the Gold Knights were employing the uh, the kind of roster shuffling they were early on in the season, where they had Cody Glass up, and then they sent him down to bring in Nick Hag. You know, Keegan Colasar has been up with the with the team, spending time in that third fourth line. But to have like Nick Hag being uh, being 100% cold going into this, and then they're going to have to use two players on that, that taxi squad. I hope I hope the person who tested positive or is in that protocol is not a defenseman, because you know you have Nick Holden on that taxi squad, you have Dylan Coughlin, Gage Coyne, Thomas Yerk, Jerko, and Oscar Dansk, and then obviously Cody Glass. And so you're going to need to elevate at least two, unless they decide to go with five defensemen, which. I would feel it would be a little counterintuitive given the circumstances. Like, let's just make sure that we give Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez plenty of time to rest because they're going to be playing some heavy, heavy minutes. And and so are so are Hag and White Cloud. It's not like they're dealing with years of experience. Well, you're you're paying uh, Petro to eat minutes and to spend time on that power play and be the guy that he was. The steadying force. And it felt like he was just starting to get comfortable. I mean, you could mm-hmm. see it on the ice that you know that series that was down in Arizona, you could see he was starting to take a little bit more charge. He was, you know, it just he just looked, sure. he just looked a lot more integrated into this Golden Knights team and you know that's what pros do and whatnot. And then this setback that's happening. Now minus McNabb too. Now you've got a few more questions that you've got to deal with especially when it comes to just, you know, skating responsibility. More uh-huh. than anything else, I think that's the best way to put it. And now you've got to lean a little bit harder on Robin Leonard and a little bit harder on Mark Andre Fleury mm-hmm. to be a steadying force out there to where they were able to, you know, step back a little bit, be right. more comfortable and go. As we saw during this first start of the season of this team in the first couple of weeks, they look pretty good. They're there. They're, they've been their most consistent performers. And, and, and you know, Leonard's ha- had some struggles in the, these last couple of games. I have no doubt that he'll be able to find his way because everybody goes through that. You have to be allowed to be or to work through those and to find your game and and the thing is too with with Petro being out and his subtraction away from from the special teams play you're also asking Shea Theodore to kind of elevate his game and to do to play a much more defensively responsible game well, part of the reason why Alex Petrangelo is so valuable to this team is that he allows Shea Theodore to do what he does best, which is not be the minutes eater, to not be the defensive, you know, uh, like leader. You want him to be able to play more more uh, offense. You want him to play a little bit more loose because this team is different when he is succeeding in putting pucks in the net. And so you're really going to have to go into a little bit of a survival mode here because you're going to be asking them to play big minutes. And they're probably going to have to generate a lot more offense and a lot more of their just – 
uh, style of play through forwards getting those pucks deep, which has been very spotty for the Golden Knights through the season, you know, before they, they had to take a break here because you're just, you're not going to have the same amount of talent, the same amount of trust in the guys at the blue line as you would with Petro and McNabb there to an extent because you just got to go where the talent is. You got to support these guys and make sure that they have energy left to uh, capped in that defensive zone to get good breakouts because we've seen what this team turns into if it tilts all the way to the offensive side. We might be out shooting them 10-1, to 1, but the one on the other end matters. And so this is going to be a, a huge test of the systems, of the structure that you and I have talked about a lot that are, that is associated with Peter DeBoer as a head coach, uh, and especially with, with a lot of these young names that are going to be in, in the defensive side, and then the minutes you're going to rely upon from your forwards. You know, it's... Yet this is where the, those structures come in because you don't want to have uh, players thinking too much out there. Well, you talk about thinking, and I think this team has a fairly good way to get past bad losses and have a short memory. The issue is they haven't been able to do it on the ice. Mm-hmm. You know, the shoot that shootout game against St. Louis, you know, wasn't you know obviously didn't end the way we wanted it to. You know, for this team, and then us having to step into the COVID protocols and rolling into a game with the Kings. The good thing is, it's at home, mm-hmm. so you, they've been able to quarantine at home, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to think about some of those other things. And they're still in the middle of that stretch of home games at T-Mobile to where everything's going to still feel relatively familiar, at least through the middle of this month, which, you know, works out for them, you know, nicely in terms of, you know, being able to climb back into where they need to be on the on the uh, the balance of this schedule and where the and where the standings sit right now, because. They sat in first place before all this started, mm-hmm. and now they find themselves in the middle of this pack in a shortened season. Something can get away from you pretty quickly. It, again, it's the Kings and the Ducks in the next, you know, four right. home games. So it's not like you can't get healthy in terms of the standings. But there are, but there you are need some healthy, things, and but you also need performance as well. Are, there are things that are certainly working against. Right, them. and because there, you're seeing, you know, teams like the Colorado Avalanche and and the St. Louis Blues having trouble securing, you know, two victories in a row. Most of these series are not sweeps, and so you know the Kings are are at eight points, as you said, Paul. The the Gold Knights are fourth in this division right now the Kings are fifth and the Ducks are sixth they both have eight points they both stole games from the Colorado Avalanche everybody is still trying to figure themselves out and there's something to be said about teams that are skating regularly that are still playing and and, and the Knights are just going to be kind of like all right here you go you get two days to figure it out and to figure out all these new systems and find your game again because you cannot replicate game speed and you cannot replicate hockey away from the ice and draw like you can shoot pucks you can do you know stick handling stuff but it's still you know these are professional hockey players this isn't just show up for the weekend and be like well I hope we get this so we can get our third place trophy right like, all-star all-star break is maybe four games five games four four nights right. five nights tops that's about it and then they're right back into it again exactly and especially for 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 like the for my people, the crease crawlers, the goaltenders, like you're in a rhythm. And this is something that that both Mark Andre and and Robin were kind of getting used to of going back and forth and back and forth. I have to think because of all the disruption that maybe these first couple of games, if they do end up playing this weekend, maybe they're both, maybe one gets one and, and then the other goaltender gets the other. But he said it wasn't going to be 50 50 the rest of the way out. You got to go with a hot hand. And there's something about stability with that as well. Just being like, this is who we're riding this out with because there's so much other stuff going on with this team and, and just getting everybody on the same page. But this is, it's a great problem to have with the goaltenders, as we've mentioned. And, and this team has depth, but. It's still you're asking a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that aren't necessarily, you know, used to being asked to do so much so early with the with the compact schedule, with how how every single point, every single period matters. 
you know, it's it's about can you show up? Can you can you rise to the occasion? Because I think they have the right guys in the locker room to do that. But it's night in and night out. And considering the the scheduling reshuffling that we're going to have to do, you know, the schedule is going to get compressed more and more. And so you don't want to have Mark Stone playing, you know, 22, 23 minutes. And I know that's crazy to say as a forward, but though there might be games where that situation gets into because some guys might just not be going and you need your best guys out there to get the points because every single shift matters. We know where the COVID situation has hit the hardest. I mean, clearly the Knights, feeling it right now, we're all having to go through it as fans, trying to figure out, okay, when are they going to play and who's right. going to be playing? And it's got to be even more mentally challenging, I think, for the players, knowing that they're in this same kind of boat, but knowing that it feels like, okay, well, we're restarting from not necessarily square one because I think the fitness is there more than anything else, Mm -hmm. but the anticipation of getting to go again. And when do we finally get out there? And when Mm -hmm. do we finally get to shake all these things off, knowing how important, again, in the truncated season, how important each game can be moving forward, especially when you just mentioned it, other teams are already on the ice. They're still practicing. They're still, you know, they're, they're, they're that much farther ahead in trying to, I guess, "Quote unquote," figure themselves out. Yeah, than the exactly. Knights are gonna be. It kind of it kind of feels like you're a day late and a dollar short, and it'd be in that mindset. Like it's one thing to be physically fit and have your leg speed there. It's another thing to have the mental speed. It's different, you know, when when you're put into situations where you're under duress, where everything just feels like it's moving faster, like everybody around you is moving faster, you know, and and making those decisions. You know, do I make this breakout pass here, or do I take another 15 second shift and 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 circle back around and go with the more safe route, like. All of a sudden, those those decisions get expedited, and when you have that happen, that's where the mistakes can be made. And if those mistakes are executed upon, especially by opponents that you that are inferior to you, which is not how we look at things, because you play who you play every, you can win it on any given night. Like this is where you can really start to chip away at confidence pieces, especially with young teams. But if you get ahead of it, if you have the leaders in the room, making sure that they're keeping everybody on point, making sure that they're keeping everyone focused on the task at hand and their role, not the win. What are you doing on this next shift? Are you going to be the four check guy? Are you going to make sure that you win this 50-50 battle? Because if you don't, you get ahead of yourself. This is where those big time point swings, those one loss to L.A. will start to add up because after L.A. and Anaheim, guess what? We have Colorado for four. And they're dealing with a lot of injuries and, and, and stuff right now, too. But still, you want to, to have that advantage. You want to be in the driver's seat. And it's just really hard to do that when your hair is on fire and your pants are on back. You know, Stone said the night, the last night this team played, which was last Tuesday, mm-hmm. that he believed in the system that was in place. These guys, Pacioretty, all these guys, they all keep saying it, that they believe the system in place will get us ready for the next game. Proof is in the pudding. 100%. You got to play the game. And you got to follow the system because if things aren't going well, it becomes a little bit easier. It becomes uh, that little voice in the back of your head. Well, there's an open piece of ice. Why don't you go just do it? Why don't you just go take it? Because you can get an offensive chance. Well, you could. You might get an offensive chance. You might even score a goal. But in the chance that you don't, the chance that you miss the net, you've now changed all of the decisions and all the practices that the rest of the players are supposed to be focused on because you were supposed to change 10 seconds ago, and so were they. So this is all screwed up. And so that's where... If you're making wrong decisions, if you're getting behind the eight ball and all of a sudden you got to start, you know, playing a little bit more home run hockey, things can get really, really gnarly, really fast. But that's why I put C's on the jersey. That's why you pay these guys the big bucks. And but like you said, Paul, it's in the pudding. You got to cook it. Right. So 
We have plenty to discuss. There is going to be so much to talk about, especially with our next guest. Declan Goff from Score North is going to join us to talk about the Minnesota Wild and their place ahead of the Golden Knights in that Western Division standings. This is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Unfiltered hockey talk for Golden Knights fans. It's the Nightcap. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. It is a reunion Monday here on the Nightcap. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. And before the Nightcap was a thing, before the Playmakers was a thing, before I moved to Las Vegas, I spent a lot of time in, in a very dark studio with our next guest here. He is a, a producer of the Mackie and Judd show uh, at Score North up in Minnesota, co-host of Judd's Hockey Show, but mostly it's Declan. Uh, Declan Goff from Score North joins us today to talk some Minnesota Wild because, Declan, they're up there in the standings. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be bad, but I didn't think they were going to be this good, at least this early. Lindsay, hi. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Not a lot of hockey being played in my town, and and uh, it, it always is played back home uh, on the land of ten thousand lakes and rinks. Right. And you know, the Wild were able to secure a four to three win in overtime over the Abs, and I. It's definitely the reverse retro jerseys. That's what led to that that oh, OT totally. victory, right? Totally, totally. Look, I am a big fan of these retro jerseys. I know people like are so split in the state of hockey on them because it's like, oh, I thought the North Stars left. Oh, I didn't know Edina plays in St. Paul now. And for God's sakes, people, can we just like enjoy a different color scheme for once? Like, I'm not a big fan of the name Wild to begin with. So the fact they like basically revamped it, went back to North Stars, like I'm okay with it. And with the way they played yesterday with basically half their roster out with injuries and or COVID situations, I mean, I think they have to wear them every day now. So I would rather just them do that. Uh, but, yes, I, I am surprised that they got off to such a strong start. It definitely helped that they were playing the Cupcakes in the Ducks and the Kings and the Sharks, uh, who are all going to be pretty putrid and bad this year. But at the same time, I didn't expect them to look this good. Um, I'm curious how they continue to play against teams like Colorado and when they get a crack at Vegas and when they play St. Louis as well. But I, I am shocked that they've looked not just like lucky, but competent and very good and not like your typical wild teams that have always just been good enough to be in the playoff conversation, but never good enough to make it past really the first round. Uh, This has been a a pretty, honestly, optimist start if if you're a wild fan. Yeah, it's not in the nature of the Minnesota Wild, whether it's plural or singular. I think that's where a lot of my confusion comes in with uh, with the Wild moniker. But, you know, it's they don't always beat the teams that they're supposed to. But this is a very different Wild club that that you and I were covering just a couple years ago at at Score North because, you know, they they shipped out so much talent like Jason Zucker, Charlie Coyle, Mikhail Granlin over the years. You know, Devin Dubnik now in 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 San Jose uh, playing goalie and, and clean up spot duty for Martin Jones down there. But how much of this kind of infusion of, of goodness, of, of, you know, urgency goes to the, the addition of Kirill Kaprasov, who has been, you know, rumored to be coming over from Russia for years. He's supposed to be the savior of this franchise. And, you know, in his first game, he scored an OT winner and it was a hell of a goal to begin with. How much do you think that really helped this club turn a page uh, in the start of this season? 
Oh, he, he is unbelievable. And he is so unbelievable, I guess, for like the last five years, we were all calling him the wrong name, too, because I guess it's Kaprizov. And like a lot of people were confused by that, including myself. And then the, like the Capri Sun joke started, which was honestly insulting because I love a Capri Sun. But Kirill Kaprizov is like leaps and bounds better and on a different level than a Capri Sun. He is everything that we thought he would be. He is a superstar. Um, the, the transition from the KHL, the NHL, just seems seamless for him. He's been so dang good that, like, Dean Evison, essentially, because this team has no centers, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, um, you can pair him with almost anyone. He's going to make that line and make those players around him better that much. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is the real deal. He is a superstar. The I, I guess, like, the one nitpick I've had is because he is such a talented playmaker and because he's still, like, getting his feet wet and there is still a transition, obviously, from the KHL to the NHL, I want him to be a little aggressive more. I want him to shoot the puck more. I want him to stop dropping pucks at the blue line as he enters the zone. At the same time, the Wild have not had a player of this caliber since Gabrick left a decade ago. So uh, he has been dynamic. He is going to be the savior of this franchise, I would say. Um, it's really too bad that Kevin Fiala got suspended, but he should be back here, obviously, midweek. But if these two are going to be basically the, the new the new faces of the Wild, this is good news because guys like Granlin and Nino and Coyle and Zucker, I mean, yeah, they're all good complementary pieces. They had their moments. They had their highs. But they never consistently delivered to the level that I think fans and, and also the front office wanted them to do. And so far, Kirill Kaprizov in just like 10 games, you can already tell this dude has superstar written all over him. And Kevin Fiala, yeah, before the suspension, he is still the same very confident swaggery kid that the wild have also lacked for a very long time um but those two together are probably going to be the reason that this entire franchise is, is changed and how the entire league perceives them and we'll get to fiala here in a sec because uh, i think Caprizov, like you said it has been such a breath of fresh air you know for for the players on the ice i mean victor rask is scoring goals declan i don't know what's <laughs> happening and he has he has two you know yesterday and i think what gets lost in in a lot of in a lot of just hockey fandom in general is that we always look to players as being the guys well you're only you're only valuable to this team if you're putting points on the board if you're putting pucks on net and trust me that is very important but it's a whole different thing when a guy steps on the ice and elevates the game of everyone else around him. And, you know, Victor Rask was literally probably the, the worst trade that they that they made in the last few years as they sent Nino Niederreiter to the to Canes just a few seasons ago. Like, he was getting healthy scratched. But th- this is a guy that uh, is is having a resurgence. And like you said, a lot of it has to do with Kaprizov, with his vision. I'm seeing, you know, him throw passes that, no, I wouldn't coach kids to make those passes. But there are just some people that have that talent that are so much better that you're like, hey, you make those plays because even if they get turned up, ice most times nobody else is expecting those and that's what's going to pay off dividends in the long run and so where do you think his best uh spot is on that lineup right now i know like you said there's a lot of injuries there's a lot of covid situation that the wild are dealing with right now but you know how do they get him to a level where he's playing his his best hockey and surrounded by the best guys in his line who who is that right now okay so I'm glad you asked this because I've been talking with Judd about this a lot on Judd's Hockey Show, which is on Score North that you used to be a part of, and that I really think it would be in their best interest to put him with Kevin Fiala. So obviously the counter-argument is that, well, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, and those are your two most dynamic players, need to spread the wealth around, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. This guy is having to play with Nick Benino, who should be nowhere near a top six, Victor Rask, who should be in the press box, 
Like, Nick Bukestead's having a, a decent year so far, but also, he's not a center you should be playing with. Put the two most dynamic players on your roster together. They play the power play together. Yeah, that's fine. I would hope they would do so. But to be honest, like, do what the Avalanche did a few years ago, where basically just said, yeah, we have one line. Good luck stopping it. I think that would be the best way to go about this. Obviously, finding the guy in the middle is going to be important. But I, I, I'm not even looking, if you're the Wild and if you're Bill Guerin, and obviously you weren't going to get Pierre Dulac Dubois, you weren't going to get Patrick Line, and those are a little out of your price range. I, like, you just need a competent center. Like, like even trading for someone like Nick Schmoltz in Arizona, for God's sakes. Just like someone who could be uh, in the middle of them that isn't a liability between the two. Because if you have someone who is even just a remotely good top six center, and look, Eric Stahl, I, I understood why they traded him, but like if Eric Stahl was in the middle of someone like Kaprizov and Fiala, like that would be a dynamic line for the Minnesota Wild right now, even with Stahl being up there in eights. Uh, I, I think what Kaprizov's able to do, it's going to become eventually criminal when you're rolling him out there with guys like Benino and Rask. And yes, they're, they're elevating stuff. And, and Rask already has three goals. And, and Nick Benino has to play because he's the only player on the entire roster that can win a faceoff. But I, I think it sh- it's going to be best suited for them long term unless they get another center or if other players continue to rise up. That you have to put these two kids together. That's what I would do. If I, if I was Dean Everson or I like to call him Cherokee Jacks, he looks exactly like Creep Rat of the Wild. I would put those two uh, together. That would be the best way to go about it. Oh, man, Declan, I miss you guys. You guys are just the absolute best. And and you mentioned uh, Kevin Fiala, and, and he, you know, really had a coming out party uh, last year, especially in the bubble, because as you said, the center depth has always been the, the Achilles heel of, of the Minnesota Wild, but it got, you know, so boring, so defensively minded that even the wingers are just like, all right, we're just going to dump the puck in and then forecheck. But Fiala is one of those guys, like you said, that plays with a lot of fire, so much so that it gets the better of him, as you mentioned. He, he's he's suspended for a really, really tough boarding call against the Kings a couple of weeks ago, or I should say last week. And that will be used as like, you know, tape to, to teach the young kids of like, this is not the hit you throw. You have to be you have to make better decisions with that. And so how does Coach Dean Everson get to this kid? Because they have a history, you know, he's obviously incredibly talented. But if you're able to get into a player's head in the way that, you know, many teams have with Fiala, especially if he's not producing, you know, what's the next step? for him and how does he keep uh keep himself out of hot water so i mean yeah the kid plays a lot of passion and and that boarding call was justified it was the right call um i i wasn't surprised that it was three games i know a lot of people thought it was a little much for it to be three games considering that Fiala doesn't really have a track record of being an offender and and it, it was the first try and those boarding calls can be really tricky but i mean it it, it doesn't take even a, a a former or current hockey player to realize when your back is turned using your stick as a weapon basically to put them against the boards that's going to be called every time and the league made an example of them that's exactly what happened i you know i understand that that's a humongous loss for a while a wild fan should be upset there without basically their second best player for three games against the colorado avalanche but it was the right call to make um and i and i think he'll learn from that and i think he'll be fine from it i don't think fiala is going to turn into someone who is a dirty or, or, or bad player you have to remember too he was on the complete other end of that four years ago in the playoffs and he shattered his leg and it took him so a while to, it took him a long time to get back to where he is right now and that's why last year you finally saw him come out and you realize oh this was the player that was taken in the first round and it's exactly why paul fenton who is basically public enemy number one in the state of hockey for trading Grandlin or Kevin Fiala, which would turned out to be an amazing trade for the Wild. Um, I, I think kind of similar to Kaprizov, where the Wild have been so starved and so desperate for someone like him that I love the competitive fire that he has. I love the confidence. I mean, 
you've been in that locker room before too that it just it's so stale and so cookie cutter answered where when he was feeling it last year towards the end before the season's paused because of covid you could just feel the confidence that coming out of him in every post game answer and you could tell he wanted the puck you could tell he wanted to score big goals and I think it's important to have someone swagger like that in that room. Look, Zach Friese and Ryan Suter aren't going anywhere most likely because of their long-term contracts. And Miko Koibu is now gone. We listed all the players from Nita Ryder and Coyle, et cetera, who are no longer part of that locker room. So it's basically a new era of wild hockey. And I think someone like Kevin Fiala is going to be a big part of establishing that new culture. And I think guys, if they're going to see Kevin Fiala and Kaprizov blossoming, that you can go out and get free agents. You can get guys that are going to want to wait trade clauses or, or, or figure out centers that could – want to play here for the first time in a while but i would say his happiness and 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 his skill level is, is on the same it's on obviously kaprizov i think is a better player than fiala but it's important to keep those two so happy and, and in the right spots because the wild can't afford to lose them basically they they are the they're going to be the focal points of how they turn this thing around it's a small price to pay for some actual inspiration on the ice to find creativity on the ice and just to have some fun with the game. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, we're going to keep you on for another segment because you are awesome. And there's so much more to kind of get into because I think that this wild club is actually capable of a lot more noise that they're uh, that they've already made, even though they are exceeding expectations. But it's going to be really tough to do, considering that Matt Dumba was just placed on the IR. He has been, the, you know, the, the offensive juggernaut for that defensive corpse, which is already so strong, but Speaking of like a special talent and a very, very huge asset heading into trade deadlines, heading into the the expansion draft. How much does he mean to this team right now and how how felt will his absence be? Yeah, that one's that's a tough one because, you know, he was coming off a pretty tough season last year where he was so snake bitten and he was shooting the puck. He was getting good looks in the park, but he just wasn't finding the net. And you knew that eventually with the quantity of shots he was firing and the looks he was getting, eventually something was going to draw. And you saw it briefly in, in the bubble in the playoffs in Vancouver. You saw him finally score a big goal. Um, but he's integral to the Wilds' power play, which, which by the way, has been the worst in the NHL and one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's an abomination. Uh, but when you, lose, when you lose Matt Dumba off the point of the power play, it's going to be really tough to, to, to get turned around. Um, I, I, look, his name's come up a lot in trade talks. I get that. He is a offensive defenseman, which are now a rarity and becoming the sexy thing to have, basically. In the and right-handed, Declan, um, and right-handed. And right-handed, exactly. So I, I understand why teams want him. I, look, if, if it was for the right guy, I would part with Matt Dumba. I, would, I wouldn't say he's untouchable by any means. That, that being said, I wouldn't give him away for Victor bleeping Rask or anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just sell him off just because I could because I'm trying to do a salary dump. But his presence, uh, w- w- being out of the lineup, is going to be is going to hurt. Um, yeah, the Wilds' bread and butter is their, their blue line. Everyone knows that. But you know, you can have guys like Brad Hunt who can play the power play. He can't play 18 minutes a night like Matt Dumba can. You can at least somewhat fill that void. And even in the wins, getting uh, Kalen Addison in the trade uh, last year for Jason Zucker, he's still probably a year away from being an NHL player. But he might be someone that replaced Matt Dumba if they were to trade him or if they were to expose him in the expansion draft. Uh, it, it's a big blow just because I think. He was coming off such a such a frustrating season last year that you saw his game finally starting to turn around. You want to see him score big goals. Uh, that when he goes in the IR, yeah, it's 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 really too bad because I, I was really looking forward for him to uh, 
to bounce back after a really rough season last year. Well, the Vegas-born faithful down here will be very happy to hear that Brad Hunt is working his way back into the lineup because it's to this day, every anybody that finds out, like, I'm from Minnesota that doesn't know me, they're like, oh, my God, that's where Brad is. We loved him. Like, people are obsessed with him down here. And it's it's hard not to be because he, he's, a, he's kind of a utility defenseman and his presence will definitely be felt throughout that lineup. And I'm glad that we'll be able to continue your presence here in a couple of minutes, Declan, because we do have to take a quick break on the nightcap. But we're going to get back to our conversation about the Minnesota Wild and their plans to disrupt the Vegas Bourne's journey to the cup, or at least to the playoffs, or at least till next week. We gotta, we gotta just focus on getting back on the ice. We'll be right back, right here on the Nightcap. Sending you off to the naughty chair. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And if you do get sent off to the naughty chair, you might need to kill some time with the nightcap. If you've missed any part of our conversation or any of our show or any part of the Playmakers, you can find that on the Radio.com app. Find the nightcap to search out the, include the, the nightcap and subscribe and share with your friends because we got we got places to go, people to see and people to talk to, including continuing our conversation with Declan Goff from Score North back up in Minnesota. Uh, he's a co-host of Judd's Hockey Show up there as well as a producer of the Mackie and Judd Show. Declan, one of the things that, besides the center depth problem for your minute for the Minnesota Wild, uh, the thing that has been plaguing them, at least at last season, was their goaltending department. And I was one of those people that when Bill Guerin, the GM of the Wild, went out and basically instantaneously went out and chose to sign Cam Talbot, I was just kind of like, um, I was hoping for a little bit more in this goalie market, please. But, you know, he's missed some time due to injury. Capo uh, Kakinen has, has stepped up in, in his stead, but, you know, Cam, Cam was in that net last night for the abs what's your read on the goaltending situation for the wild so far okay so i know people were up in arms over the cam Talbot signing i get it he really only had like one really strong year in edmonton like three years ago he kind of revitalized his career at calgary last year as a solid backup and was their guy in the playoffs last year um i think the wild's goaltending last year was so gd putrid that it was only going to get better now, Cam Talbot isn't going to finish for a Vesna, isn't going to get any run for an all-star game, but they just needed league average goaltending. Can, can they get that from anyone, for God's sakes? That was their goal. And Cam Talbot, before he had a little minor tweak, which he called like a fluke injury, has looked the part. Um, and, and that's been good. That's been good for the Wild. He signed a three-year contract. He's going to most likely be here for the length of that. Uh, but I think what's also more encouraging is Kapo Kakinen has also looked just as damn good. Uh, he was the AHL goalie of the year last year. He got a little cup of coffee last season. He made five starts. He, he looked good in those five starts as well. Um, but this is good. I think the Wild just needed a complete change. And that doesn't mean that uh, Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock were, were, were bad necessarily. I mean, I understand the statistics say that. But, like, they needed a completely change in philosophy. Alex Stalock is a, is a smaller goaltender. Lens, you can break this down way better than I could. He's basically a six skater on the ice. He wants to go up and get out of the crease and basically play the puck. I love it. It's fun as hell. But to be honest, he's kind of a liability when he's actually in the net. And Dubnik, great run with the Wild. I mean, seriously, it's one of the greatest success stories the last 10 years of a guy who, kind of similar to Cam Talbot, got chased out of Edmonton and then revitalized his career and became a Vesna guy for the Wild for a few seasons. Um, but Cam Talbot and Capo have been exactly what the Wild needed from them. I don't think they've necessarily had a game yet where they've had to save the Wild, but they have not cost the Wild a game once this season. And, and last year, most of the analytics said that the Wild were playing very well. It was their goaltending that was holding them back. 
And so far, I mean, the, the, that, that is kind of true. The Wilds' offense has been fine, and the Wilds' goaltending has been fine. Therefore, they're winning more hockey games. So I, I think the goaltending, as long as you don't expect them to save you every night, you're going to be fine. But obviously, when you get in the playoffs and you get into big games, you know it better than anyone. Your goaltenders have to show up, and they will have to see you a game or two in a series. So we have to see that from them. But at the same time, we'll, we'll get down that road when we get there. Uh, but in general, Talbot and Capo Kakinen have been exactly what the Wild needed. I, I tend to agree with you, Declan, especially with how strong the defensive corpse is with that team. You, as you said, you don't need like superstar goaltending. You just need guys that are going to are going to stop the ones that they're supposed to, because it just gets so demoralizing when they can't. You know, when you have superstars like Kevin Fiala, when you have uh, Kaprizov, who who are at least looking like they're the future, that they're going to that the future is bright and, and exciting. They're not the leading point getters on this team, and they're not the most consistent performers. And I think, like we just talked about with goaltending, consistency is what. Really really matters with this team and so I want to talk to you about that third line or at least what Ewell Erickson Eck and Jordan Greenway are doing because Greenway leads the the team in points two goals eight assists but Erickson Eck who was a guy that got pushed around in the corners a hell of a lot just uh just a few seasons ago has cl- quickly turned into kind of the second coming of Mika Koivu where nobody wants to play against him because he's just a mean snarly player who's gonna uh, dominate that face-off dot which is one of those very underrated places to uh to find success in this league. Yeah, he's been awesome this year for the Wild. Um, last year you saw him turn into that little pesky role, and, and I think fans still, even though they accepted that, oh, yeah, he took a step forward and he had a good year, they kind of just put that as a ceiling. They said, well, that's who he's going to be. And instead, he has really risen up to the occasion and is now scoring goals more. Yeah, that line with Greenway and Foligno's dipped in there as well. That's been phenomenal for the Wild. That's been their bread and butter, and Dean Epps has been going to that line, whether they're down goals or whether they're up goals, because it's been their most consistent one um, throughout the entire season. Because of the lack of center depth, you, basically Dean Evison with a starting line chart means absolutely nothing because he's going to throw it a completely away five minutes into the game. Um, but Eck and Greenway have been probably um, the biggest surprises on this team. Uh, Jordan Greenway was someone who was basically morphing into Charlie Coyle 2.0 of a guy with great size and great hands and get in front of the net and has these big moments, but then he has, a, he has moments also where he goes and coasts and you don't see him for a dozen games or so. And he has quietly... Uh, pace the team in points this year, which has been a little bit crazy, but it, it, it's been noticeable. It's been noticeable in a good way. Sometimes in hockey, you know it too, that you can be noticeable in a bad and or a good way. No, he's been noticeable in a very good way. And, and if Eck, I think, can at least develop into a top six center, then we can kind of put to bed the whole Brock Besser comparison. I get it. He was two picks after Joel Erchanek, and fans are always going to look at that and be like, well, that was a missed opportunity. And don't get me wrong, Brock Besser right now is a more dynamic player than Joel Erchanek. No one's denying that. And for Minnesota. <laughs> And from Minnesota, they don't take our kids. We don't take Minnesota kids. We take them when they're 30 after they've been in the league for 10 years and they're washed up and we'll buy them out two years into the contract. No, no, no. We don't want to draft one. But at the same time, I like what Joel Eric has been able to do this year. If he morphs into a top six center, then that first round pick uh, is going to be, it, fans are going to forget about the whole Brock Besser thing if he turns into this pesky player that eventually scores more goals and can shut down opposing, opposing top lines. Before I let you go, Declan, I, I, we mentioned or, and talked about where the Wild kind of fit in this division. They're not the most talented team. They're not the most skilled team, but we know that that doesn't really matter when it gets down to the nitty gritty. And so what type of game do the Wild have to play to to have the best chance of success against the Colorado Avalanche, against the Vegas Golden Knights that, that you guys have yet to face? What is the bread and butter plan of success for the Minnesota Wild on any given night? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Linz, because I think in general, look, Vegas, and this is me even kissing kissing your old rear end here because I'm on your station, I picked the Vegas Knights to represent the West this year for the second straight year because I just think top to bottom, they're the most sound team in the NHL. Um, but you don't want what you don't want to have happen, and we saw this on Saturday in the first game in Colorado, don't get in a track meet. Don't get in a track meet with teams like Colorado or Vegas because you're probably going to lose. Um, if you want to have a distance run, for lack of a better word, in a running metaphor, you're going to have a good chance to probably win this race. But if you want to get an offensive-style system, you're going to lose the game. So you have to capitalize on your special teams. You have to keep things simple. Um, and, and hopefully, I, I, or not hopefully, but I think eventually the Wild are going to have to realize that unless they make a trade for some type of top-six center, um, they're going to have to win games in gritty fashion, basically like the Jacques Lemaire days, where you're only going to score two or three goals and hope to God the other team doesn't score two or three either. Um, but I, I think in general, just keep a simple, sound game. Let your goaltending do its job. The defense also makes it a lot easier on Talbot and Kakinen as well. I, I think Kaprizov and Fiala will take them as far as they needed to go, but they're probably one dynamic piece away from really being able to compete. I think they make the playoffs in this division. I even think they give the Blues a run for their money. I mean, I think you can make a very good case that Vegas and Colorado are going to be one and two in this division. You don't know who's going to finish one, but one of those two teams are going to be one and two. And then three and four are going to be up for grabs probably between, obviously, St. Louis, Minnesota, and Arizona. So I think the Wild do get one of those four spots, but, yeah, they can't beat themselves. And if if, if Saturday wasn't evidence of anything, they beat themselves. So I, I think for the Wild, if they can find one more top six guy, Bill Guerin knows what to do there. I really like their chances to compete and, and give a team like Vegas or Colorado a run for their money. Well, you find success by knowing your identity, playing to your identity, and knowing where you come from. And I, I miss you guys at Score North. You know, like you said, it's pretty nice covering the Vegas Golden Knights, but you know the the good old days, which aren't that far. You know, we're not that far removed from uh, seem in many ways, uh, many years in the past. But I, I wish you well and everybody at Score North. And thank you, Declan. Where can we uh, find you on social media in case we want more insight? Uh, I am at still at Dex's tweets. That is D E X S tweets because I went to St. Cloud State and they didn't have my name, so I added an S to an X like a good bull St. Cloud State graduate does go Huskies. And uh, you can find me on Twitter there, and you can find all of our work too at youtube.com at score north MN as well. Thanks, Declan. Miss you, bud. Lens, miss you. Let's do it again. Absolutely, my friend. That is Declan. Oh, thank you. Bye, friend. You're the best. That was Declan Goff from Score North back in Minnesota giving us a deep dive on the Minnesota Wild because they are going to be sticking around in this Western Division, especially when the Golden Knights are able to get back on the ice. Quick break, and then our final few minutes, we'll get you caught up on all the schedule changes for your Golden Knights. This is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. The Nightcap. That's a knight with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Lindsey Brown here with the final couple of minutes. And usually I tell you go to the radio.com app to listen to our conversation we just had with Declan Goff from Score North. And we've already covered it. So the whenever, wherever is going to apply to the new schedule that the Vegas Golden Knights uh, have because we've missed some games. Games have been postponed. So I'm going to run through those quickly for all of you so you can mark your calendar. So grab those pens. 
that game against St. Louis that we had to, that that was postponed last week that was supposed to be on the 28th of January is now going to be scheduled on Monday, March 22nd at 7 p.m. That is going to be here in Las Vegas. Uh, the Vegas game at San Jose that was originally scheduled for tonight is now going to be played on February 13th. That's right, the night before uh, Valentine's Day. We're going to play the Sharks in their spot, and then the Sharks again on the 25th at 10.30, and then against Anaheim as well on April 23rd. Many schedules. Catch yourselves up, but first and foremost, subscribe to the Nightcap here. We'll be back next Monday as we are each and every week at 5. My name is Lindsey Brown, and this has been the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.